0: Five, four, three, two, one, lift off. We have a liftoff.
1: Here we go. It's game time. Unforgettable. And quality Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the Marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. That's
2: one small step for man, one biathlete per man. Nice to be in orbit.
3: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Sports & More, the podcast. And I say good afternoon, I should also say good evening and good morning, depending on uh, when it is that you have uh, downloaded this podcast. Uh, I'm just glad that you did. I, I thank you very much uh, for being a part of the program and uh, encourage you to join in the interactive portion of uh, the program. And you can do that on Twitter at DuckMillard. You can do it on uh, Instagram At Sports and More Podcast on Facebook at Sports and More 35. You can email us sportsandmorepod at gmail.com and uh, the website sportsandmore.ca. Really, really excited about today's show.
2: I said we got a winner.
3: (laughs) We got Darren Drager from TSN. Uh, He's going to uh, join us and tell us some really funny stories. We're going to talk hockey. We're going to talk about the Mitch Marner deal. We'll talk about these ridiculous Connor McDavid, uh, rumors about him wanting to leave. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And, uh oh, we, we're, we're really sad about those, uh, sad horn uh, rumors. And uh, we're also going to speak with Jamie Thomas. Uh, But anyway, back to uh, Dreger. We're going to talk about hockey. Uh, He has a passion for backyard rinks. You won't believe what he did uh, with his backyard. And he's a massive prankster. He is really, really a uh, massive prankster. So he's going to tell us about some of the pranks that he's pulled. And uh, Ryan Rashog's name is going to come up. So uh, you'll want to uh, tune in uh, for uh, that one. As mentioned, Jamie Thomas will join us for Fantasy Fun Time. Uh, We'll talk about Week two of the National Football League. And also, interesting question I'm going to throw at uh, my good buddy Jamie. If you had to pick one Toronto Maple Leaf for fantasy a hockey, who would it be? Would it be Marner, Matthews, or Tavares? You can chime in at Duck Millard with that one as well. And we will also have after our Darren Drager interview our Acme Meat Market trivia question. You can win a $25 GC from Acme Meat Market. Go say hi to Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market in Edmonton, 9570 76th Avenue. Check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. Acme Meat Market since 1921. And know uh, that when you get something from at Corey the Butcher, which is his Twitter handle, that you're getting it from one of Canada's top butchers. In fact, he was recently named to Team Canada for the World Butchers Challenge in September 2020. So, when you if you are victorious uh, and you're going to pick up your GC, make sure you congratulate Corey. Uh, and if you don't win, you should really, you'll be a winner. Everybody is a winner that shops at Acme Markets. So, if you uh even if you even if you don't uh Win the gift card. We got a winner. You can go in there, and everybody will be a winner uh, for shopping at Me, at Me, Margaret.
2: I said we got a winner.
3: <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So uh, let's uh, get on to the show, shall we? And uh, we'll throw some questions at you.
1: Hmm. What's on my mind today? <laughs> I don't know. You want answers? I don't know what the hell he wants. Let's get into things. Let's get real. This is the Myron French question of the day. I read you loud and clear.
3: Ten four. All right, the question of the day. And if you haven't caught on in past episodes, Myron French, my old high school teacher, taught us law. And uh, we basically, he would start every class with a question of the day. Sometimes it would be like a five-minute discussion. Sometimes we could stretch it out to an hour, and it was never on the exam. So that was our uh, favorite part. The question I have for you today is, can Mike Trout still be named American League MVP while missing almost 20% of the season? He's out now for the year. He is the best all-around baseball player, in my opinion, when he's healthy. But I'm sorry, health is a factor when you're talking about the most valuable player. So you can uh, hit me up at Duck Millard on Twitter. Uh, you can also text the show, and we'll get it for next week, but uh, 780-803-1555, 780 803 That's the uh, text line we use for Sports & More Live, which, of course, you can hear 2 p.m. Mountain Time, Monday to Friday, on the 12-ounce Sports Radio Network. So... My answer uh, to Mike Trout, should he be the MVP in the American League? Uh, if he was still healthy, yes. But no. Uh, unless he is so far ahead of the competition, it's not even funny, which I don't think he is. He's tied for the home run lead. He's fifth in RBI. He does lead in on-base percentage slugging and OPS, but he could get passed in those as well. So I don't think it's enough for him to win. He he needs to have like a larger gap, in my opinion, than he already does for him to win. So I'm going with no. And my vote for who should win is kind of split right now between two Astros, Alex Bregman and Justin Verlander. And and listen, I think Justin Verlander uh, should easily qualify and could easily win the uh, MVP. People say, well, they have uh, the Cy Young for them. So who cares? They're part of the team. It's the same in hockey. If you think goalies should not be eligible for the Hart Trophy, give your head a shake. Nobody batted an eye when Chris Pronger won the Hart Trophy. The defensemen have their own award. If you play in the game, if you if you are uh, on an on a uh, position in hockey, you qualify. Same with baseball. Now I know starters are every five days, so they're not an everyday player. But still, uh, you get a horse like Justin Verlander. He definitely, in my opinion, uh, should be involved in the conversation. For the MVP, it's probably going to go to Alex Bregman, but uh, Justin Verlander should get a lot of votes as well.
1: Three,
2: two, one, and liftoff.
3: Let's go! Time for your top three. Liftoff when the clock has started.
1: Roger, zero G, and I feel fine.
3: Beautiful, beautiful. All right, uh, just to go back to uh, Mike Trout for a second, at Guy on Twitter uh, says, uh, yes, yes, he can and he should be. Uh, goes on to say, baseball MVP voters are also petty and can't over a century even haven't decided what MVP actually means since some keep trying to argue team success is too important. When measuring an individual's season success, so who the bleep knows? As usual, it's you know what. You know Connor McDavid won the MVP uh, when the Oilers were uh, in the playoffs. Did not win it um, uh, in in other seasons where they did not make the playoffs. Hockey's a little different. Baseball, there are so few teams. You look at hockey and and, and basketball. You should probably be in the playoffs to be considered to win the MVP, unless, uh, like I said, you're so far ahead. Now, it also depends on the wording of of the award, and so like that, this is that's a whole different story. So, um, anyway, it's a good response. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Doc Millard, and um, we can keep going with that, um, and we'll uh, we'll debate on uh, social media. Okay, so our top three today is the best contracts in the NL, top three contracts in the NHL when combining term, talent, and dollars. Now, Braden Point, as I spoke with uh, Craig Button earlier today on Sports and More Live, when I looked at cap Friendly, Braden Point was the best player when you consider point per dollar last year. He was only making $686,000. Um, so that contract is done. and So you can't refer to that contract when you're doing this list because uh, he doesn't have a new deal yet. But for me, my honorable mention is Connor McDavid. And uh, his his twelve and a half million dollar cap hit is the highest. And you might say, well, how is that value? Because he's the best player in the game, and they have him for seven more years, and he's only twenty two. All that factored in, so I kind of excluded him from my top three because he's the best player. And you know, twenty million dollars, um, you know, what when when compared to other sports, is probably what he should be making a year. Uh, so number three, I'm going with uh, Nikita Kucherov, Nine and a half million, 128 point season last year. It's an eight-year deal, and he's only 26. It's a really good deal. Uh, my good buddy Cody Jansen from the 12-ounce Sports Radio Network pointed out there's not been a lot of playoff success, so I will grant him that. Uh, number two, I'm going Brad Marchand. $6.1 million for a 100-point season last year, and he's got six more years. Now, this might have been number one, except he's 31 years old. So there's no way he's putting up 100 points in the back half of this contract. He'll start uh, leveling off, uh, falling off a little bit, in, in and probably not for two or three years. Who knows? Um, but Brad Marchant is an awesome player, and uh, he's making 6.1 for another six years. So let's say three years are going to be good at that. So that's why he's number two. Nathan McKinnon is uh, number one for me, though. 6.3 million for a 99-point season last year. Four more years on this contract, and he is only 24 years old. So when you look at Nathan McKinnon's uh, season last year, it was amazing. And this is a guy who had 41 goals. So not only are you getting the point production, but you're getting the goal production as well. You have him for four more years, and then you can see what happens after that. So that's my top three. Honorable mention to Connor McDavid, Kucherov, Brad Marchand, and Nathan McKinnon. Now send me your list to at Duck Millard if you uh, would like to join in the conversation. Uh, this text from Dan Lemko says, Nathan McKinnon, Drysidle, and Dry uh, Dreisaitl's got a great contract. Eight and a half for 50 goals. That's awesome. I would not be putting Kleffbaum in there. Uh, I like Kleffbaum. He's got to stay more healthy, though. Uh, Mackenzie Crokin says uh, Nate McKinnon, Morgan Riley, and uh, Johnny Gaudreau. One, two, three. McKinnon, number one. Uh, so there you go. Chime in if you want at Duck Millard, and uh, we can uh, debate on Twitter. All right, let's get to it. Darren Drager of TSN. After we get to know his career path. <laughs> Time for the bio. After graduating high school in Langeburg, Saskatchewan, Darren Drager attended Western Academy Broadcasting College in Saskatoon, which led him to his first job at GX94 in Yorkton. From there, he landed in Branham, Manitoba, calling Wheat King Games on CKLQ Radio before joining CKX-TV in the Wheat City. After moving two hours down the road to CKY in Winnipeg, he made the big move to Edmonton, Alberta, where he hosted Oilers games on A Channel. Eventually, Sportsnet came calling as he joined the new network in Toronto before crossing the parking lot to join TSN as an insider. And he recently broke the Mitch Marner contract news. Darren, thanks so much for doing this uh, Sports and More podcast with me. And uh, speaking of podcasts, uh, it sounds like you are joining the fray. Tell me about Ray and Dregs the podcast.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously a hockey related project. Ray and I have been talking about for a number of years now. We do so many events together over the course of a, a year, including spending a lot of time in close proximity at the World Hockey Championships annually in in May, and you know uh, after that uh, the Stanley Cup Final. We you know do a segment on TSN Sports Center called the Cup Conversation, which. Always generates a bit of a, a buzz around the hockey community, because obviously Ray has passion and he's got a very strong opinion, and I don't mind pushing his buttons. So uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to jump into the podcast world, and we're quite excited by it. Um, you know we're we're going to uh, obviously provide a, a terrific amount of uh, of traditional hockey dialogue. Ray is, in my opinion, the best analyst in the in the game, so you know he's going to bring that hardcore hockey analysis to the podcast uh, we're going to have top level guests on a weekly basis be it the game's best players the coaches the managers um, agents ex-players you name it we're, we're going to bring that to the table and there's going to be a hefty amount of back and forth uh, in terms of the opinion and uh, we're not going to agree on everything there's going to be a fair bit of debate as well so it is the Ray and Drake hockey podcast and you can download it now and uh, our goal is to uh to record
3: our first one on October first. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, Ray's not shy of giving his uh, an opinion, <laughs> and I'm gonna like it because I'm gonna guess the odd week King topic is gonna come up because uh, Ray had that miraculous season, 108 goals, and of course, you covered and did the play-by-play. We're gonna get into that in a, in a bit as well. But uh, Dregs, how glad are you that Marner Mania is over? <laughs>
2: Uh, I got to tell you, Dean. I don't remember another scenario um, covering an individual player and, and contract stalemate that had more negativity and venom around it than this one. And you know, to some degree, that that speaks to Leafs Nation and the size of the Toronto Maple Leafs market. And and maybe it's just because there's just so much healthy expectation around this organization. You know, they got Elander done after a two and a half month stalemate last year, and you know, there was negativity around that. Then, obviously, there's elation with the, the Matthews contract. And I think most Leafs fans thought that uh, Mitch Marner would, would be an easy contract negotiation. And they'd, they'd keep that star in the fold. And, you know, then when it didn't get done, you know, early in the summer, and then it looked like it was going to drift into September, and then it did. And then it started to, to look like it might even drift into October, and this kid was going to miss real hockey, regular season hockey things really started to, uh, to to crank up. But, you know, the truth is, and you know this, I mean, the underbelly of social media can be very, very distasteful. Yep. Uh, I don't waste any time worrying about it or looking at it. I've got uh, too many other positive things in my life um, that require my time, and I'm happy to give my time, you know, focusing on uh, the positive things. But, you know, I think it really kind of came to a head this past week when – um, not just the market, but, you know, uh, I would say media in general started to, to plow on the family a little bit. You know, I'm sure you heard the soundbite of, yeah. of Mitch talking about, you know, walking down a street in downtown Toronto and having 13-year-old kids yelling at them. Um, You know, that's that's Canada. You have to take the good with the bad. But to bring it back to me for a second, um, it, it it was a bizarre story to cover from beginning to end, but what made it easy for me is this guy's a hell of a hockey player. He's a star hockey player in the National Hockey League. So when I looked and crunched the the analytics, the data, um, the numbers that he has posted in three full NHL seasons, it it made it pretty easy to understand his position and why he thought he could get what he ended up getting from the league.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of people that think he's the best Toronto Maple Leaf.
2: Yeah, and I can tell you what on many nights he is. That's that's uh, that's an easy case to make and. You know, you say that, and that's not any slight directed at Austin Matthews or John Tavares or Morgan Riley or Freddie Anderson when he's at the top of his game. I mean, go down the list. You know, the team that Toronto Maple Leafs have drafted and assembled here uh, is Stanley Cup worthy. It absolutely is. They've got to prove that, but you're right. And I, I think that that's why, you know, the minor camp dug in as hard as they did, and and look, the Toronto Maple Leafs wanted to sign this kid all along. It's not like they undervalued him or thought that he was expecting or wanting too much. Uh, it's just that's the state of the business hockey, and the restricted free agent has never had more leverage or power than he has right now, especially those top end guys. So you're right. On many nights, uh, he is the best wearing the blue and white, and that's why. You know, he's got a six-year contract extension at almost $11 million per year.
3: You spent some time in Edmonton covering the Oilers. You know uh, what this fan base is. You're a Western Canadian guy, so yeah. you you know what it's like in Edmonton. And obviously, you know, you know I've talked to you before when I was on TSN yeah. 1260, so you're plugged in with the Oilers. What do you think about the Oilers roster this year compared to last year?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's moderately better. Moderately better. Um, and that's not to say that it's not going to get better uh, moving forward here. For starters, you know, I'm a believer in in Kenny Holland and his experience. Um, and, uh, you know, he's proven with his track record that he's incredibly patient. But he's a deal maker as well. He gets things done. Uh, I think he was very honest. I think the organization was very honest when when he was brought in to, again, just tame things a little bit. Of course, the goal is always to... To try and qualify for the postseason, and no different. I mean, that's what the Oilers are going to try and do. But being realistic in all of it, you know, because of the salary cap, because of the the contract that they have, you know, you, you can't just wave the magic wand and bring in, you know, these uh, automatic wingers who are just about as fast as Connor McDavid, who are going to to push the Oilers deep into the postseason. You have to be patient in that process. You gotta hope that maybe somebody within the organization who's developing in the American League where they've just drafted is, is going to find a place and be that player. You know, probably not this year, but maybe next year, maybe the year after that. I just think that as as weary and as tired as the narrative has been in Edmonton about, okay, just be patient. You know, it's coming. Uh, I think with all due respect to Peter Shirelli and the managers prior to uh, who have made promises? You know, Kenny Holland, as I said, Dean is 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 a guy who gets things done. But the fan base, unfortunate, unfortunately, is going to have to be a bit more patient. So it's going to take a couple, three years.
3: The Oilers fan base is—they're also um, getting frustrated with the narrative that Connor McDavid wants out, and the losing is coming to him. And uh, listen. I don't know Connor McDavid uh, except for interviewing him at the rink, so I don't have any insight. I can just tell you from what I've heard, he does not sound like a queer. He does not sound like a guy who is saying, I want out. And, and I think Oiler fans, listen, Leaf fans, they, they kind of think everybody wants to come home and play in Toronto. And, and Tavares did, but it doesn't mean everybody. Do, do you buy into any of that narrative that, you know, the body language says Connor McDavid wants out of Edmonton?
2: No, I don't never have. And uh, I won't, you know, until it gets to a place where the people that I trust are telling me that he's ready for a change. And all the people that, that I know associated with Connor associated with the Edmondson Oilers have always rolled their eyes whenever that storyline finds a way to surface. And, and I can understand why, you know, some of the opinionists would suggest that, I mean, you know, on many nights, Connor is the best that the Oilers have and they still end up losing the hockey games because he doesn't have enough help. So maybe, you know, a couple of three, four years from now, if things don't change the way I predict that they will, you know, we just had that conversation about the influence of Kenny Holland. Well, who could blame him? But as we have this conversation today, um, I don't, I I think that he is 100% all in committed, wants nothing more then to lead the Edmonton Oilers back into the playoffs and then following that, you'll know, lead that team back into a, a position where they are a Stanley cup contender. And I know this too, Dean, um, you know, times have changed over the years, you know, as a manager, as a coaching staff, even an upper executive with every organization in the league, you have to have constant, if not, well, certainly weekly, maybe even in certain cases, daily communication with your top, your star players. And in this case, you star player, superstar player, and your captain. So there would be no surprises for Connor, And I'm sure Kenny has talked to him dozens of times. I know Bob Nicholson is close to him. The coaching staff is close to him. He's in a great place. He knows he's in a good place. And I think that he's comfortable with the direction of the organization, what the plans are.
3: Dreggs, I want to get back to uh, hockey in a second, but I want to go back in uh, time and talk a little bit about uh, your career and you, like me and my older brother Darren, who you know very well, went to Western Academy Broadcasting College and I don't know how many guys are still in broadcasting from your class, but I'm the only one from my class and, and that was in the mid nineties. What do you remember about WABC in Saskatoon? Well, I remember Don Scott, who yes. is the founder of WABC. Don Scott. He always
2: <laughs> he had that big booming voice. And, you know, every time we'd, we'd do an air check or you'd do something, yeah, he was good. He was good at his craft. That was old school radio back then, right? And it was all about the voice. Right. You, you know, you, you had to have the rise and the fall. Don Scott used to drive that That's right. into a center on a morning and afternoon basis every single day. But I'll, I'll tell you what, um, you know, when I left high school at Landenberg High, I had no idea what I was going to do. I mean, I had, I had uh, applied to the University of. Saskatchewan. I, you know, was I going to be a phys ed teacher? I had no clue. I knew I didn't want to stay on the farm, um, potash and the potash industry and the mines near in Saskatchewan employ so many people in, in and around my part of the world. I, I didn't really want to dive there either. Uh, I had an opportunity. A good buddy of mine by the name of Ken Zandy worked with me at CJGX Radio in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. He was behind the scenes and I was on the air. And his family was in the oil patch. And so finally, he, he grew weary of making no money. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as you know, when you start in radio, well, at least back then, you made no money.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, he said, Greg, come on, man. I had I, I an opportunity for us. We can jump on this rig. Let Let's go make some money. And there's been a couple of times Dean where I've almost bailed on this career. That was one of them, and then not to fast forward too far, but there was another one when I was working in Winnipeg and the Jets had just left. Yeah. And my wife was teaching in Brandon and things are going sideways professionally, personally, everything. And I <clears throat> I I didn't write the real estate exam, but I hooked up with a real estate company in Brandon and I was going to get my real estate license and then pack it in. Wow. Um Yeah, I was. And then Jim Haskins, who's now with Global, um, he was the the news director at TKY TV in Winnipeg, called me up. Uh, We're working together. He said, hey, confidentially, uh, I'm moving to Edmonton to be general manager of A Channel. I'd like you to come along, be my sports director, and uh, you can host Edmonton Oilers games for Molestar Sports and Entertainment. So all the way from WABC on well, was it? Avenue F in Saskatoon? Yeah, it was. Right? Not a good area <laughs> at all. Not a good area at all. No, but buddy, I don't know if it was there when you were there. They had a Chinese restaurant on the corner, and for like three bucks, you got an unbelievable meal. Every day at lunch, we'd go for Chinese. It
3: was awesome. Yeah, I don't think that was uh, there, but yeah, it was a, it was a rough area. Uh, that's for sure. sure. Um, for, for a long time in your career, I thought you and my brother were joined at the hip because you guys worked <laughs> together at one station. And then yeah, you guys, like he would go to Winnipeg and you came to Winnipeg yeah. and I would hang outside the arena and watch you go in and chat with you. And yeah. that was before I was going to, about to go to broadcasting. And you both up in Edmonton. You both end up in Toronto. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, strange that you guys kind of uh, shadowed each other throughout your careers early on.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, I hope he listens to this because uh, it, it pisses him off every time I talk about it, but <clears throat> he was working at the same radio station I had already left. I, I went to CKLQ radio in, in Brandon. Uh, as you remember, Darren was at CJGX in York where I had started, and <clears throat> one of our sports guys left, and I said, man, I said uh, to John Armstrong, was the news director at CKLQ, I said, you know, this guy's a Brandon guy. I mean... We can get him. He's a hockey guy. It's going to be great. So, we brought him to uh, to, to Brandon. He used to do color for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Weekend games, he'd do sidelines. We did the 1991 World Youth Baseball Championship. Uh, you would have been a young kid at that time. I rode my um, bike
3: dragger from the east end of Brandon to West Brand yeah. Stadium every day to watch that tournament.
2: <laughs> so Canada wins. And correct me if I'm wrong. It might be the only international uh, well, world championship that Canada has ever won. I think I, so. I yeah. I, I, anyway, it was awesome. So I'm doing play by play. Darren is down on the field and I, I, I think it was stubby club. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Jason Lee was, was he third base or was he shortstop think, for team
3: Canada? I think he was third, but I'm not sure.
2: Okay. So ball game ends. We've got to go live down the field. Right and and Darren Millard is our roving reporter, uh, so I throw down to him and he's got either Stubby or, or Jason Lee, and I mean he's caught up in the moment. I mean it was awesome. Canada just won gold, and I'll never forget this. I've got the cassette tape. Yeah, cassette tape <laughs> recording of this. And he goes uh, Jason, and he pauses. Ah, congratulations! That's all I can think of to say right now. <laughs> Never let him forget that because he's such a polished broadcaster. He's a all-time pro now. But then I so then and, and this is what really bugs him because so uh, I got poached by Scott Moore um, back in the day to come to Toronto in 1998. So I wasn't even in Edmonton for a full year, and I was one of the first hires uh, to uh, host the, the national broadcast NHL games on uh, Sportsnet Time. And he had, you know, two or three other jobs that he needed to fill. He needed anchors. And, you know, back then, there's no social media. So, right. you, you, you know, you apply for jobs, you set out videotapes,
1: yeah. right? Like, yeah. I
2: mean, it was that difficult. So Moore says to me, hey, we need at least another couple of guys. Is there anyone you can take?" you about? I said, gosh. I said, Darren Blart. I think it was, it was at ITV in Edmonton. Yep. I think that's where he was working at the time. So I remind him of that on a regular basis. So I hoping, I'm I'm hoping that he... He uh, listens to this podcast because truly, I'm responsible
0: for his career.
3: Yeah, it's uh, I I I would uh, wholeheartedly (laughs) agree, Jags. I would, and uh, you know when you brought up videotapes, the amount of hours I spent in the boardroom at CKX Television making videotapes and sending them out to stations while I was getting ready for the prime ticket update is uh, I spent so much time there. Now. I've been told I've been told that you are quite the practical joker uh, when you're on the road. Now, I also found out this weekend, you roomed with my best friend's dad, Jim Moga, when you were with uh, the Brandon Weekings, uh, the bus driver for, for the Weekings. Uh, Jeff and I, uh, Moga, grew up since we were in grade three. He was in my wedding party. He was one of my best friends. Did you ever pull a practical joke on Jim Moga? Uh,
2: Mogi? That's who you saw. Mogi, man. He was the best probably still is. I hadn't talked to Mogey in a long, long time. We used to have so much fun on that bus. Like I can't even tell half the stories because society wouldn't accept it. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> there, there wasn't any hazing nonsense or any of that crap, but it was, it was, you know, just five or six adults on this bus with a bunch of real good kids. Um, you know, Wade Redden, Kevin Shovel, I mean, go down the list of, of all the real good Brandon Wheat Kings players who we spend time around. But, I can remember one, and I think I was on this, uh, I I wasn't doing play-by-play at the time, but for whatever reason, it might have been a play-in game, or there was something going on with uh, the Wheat Kings, and it was getting real tense at the end of the year, so I jumped on board for this trip, and you remember Glenn Dufresne was the uh, program, or Skippy Dufresne was the sports director at TV. he was doing play-by-play Mogi had bought a 50-50 ticket, and, and maybe it was in Seattle or Portland or one of the big venues. And he ended up winning like 1500 U.S. or 2500 or something like that. And, again, no cell phones, no social media. Nobody has to know about this. But they make the announcement, and Skippy goes, Oh, look at this, our bus driver, Jim Moga, has just won $2,500 on the 50-50 draw. He was so sour because his wife found out that he had won the 50-50. So we had uh, we had lots of good times and lots of laughs. He's one of the best.
3: Yeah. You are a, pr- a practical joker, though, I'm told. You, yeah, I you, yeah. you, you, I've heard you spend time thinking these up.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean... I don't take life too seriously, even though, you know, at times it seems that I do when you're, you know, locked in on a panel or, you know, you're doing July 1st, or you're doing trade deadline. I mean, there are moments where you've got to, you know, uh, tighten things up. But when you, when you're in, in close quarters with people, you know, be it family, friends or your colleagues, if, if you're not trying to keep it light or having fun, it, then it becomes a job. And what we do for a living isn't hard work. It's not a job. We get paid well. Um, you know, there's tough times, as you know, in this industry, uh, currently, but the, the people that you're around on a daily basis are just excellent human beings. So I've always, you know, kind of looked at things uh, from a a lighter perspective. And, um, I'm most infamous for, if you leave your phone open or your laptop or iPad open around me, look out, (laughs) because that is just a clear invitation for shenanigans in my world. So, uh. I've changed languages many times on phones. Um, I won't mention the guy's name, but a guy that we work with was in a real good spat with his girlfriend. Like they were going back and forth. Like you can't believe. I had no clue. So he leaves his work area and his laptop's wide open. I don't know this. I just cl- and I don't. I don't have time to read all of the exchanges. I don't even know that they're scrapping. I just I, I click on. Uh, to this lovely woman's account, and I send I send a note saying, Hey, um just want to tell you how much I love you. I really miss you, and I can't wait to see you later tonight. Whoa! And I send that, and all of a sudden, about twenty minutes later, he's like, Oh my God! I can see him leaning back in his chair, and he turns around Dregs! Oh my God!" And then he comes over and he says, you, even though you're, you're trying to be an ass and trying to be funny, he said, you just saved my life and probably my relationship because she then went, Oh, I'm so sorry for how things have gone over the course. You know, I didn't mean to say this, you know, it just completely melted the ice. Um, but, I don't know that he's. I shouldn't have told this story because I don't know that he's ever told her <laughs> that it was actually me that that sent the email. So those are some of the things that I
3: uh, like to feast on during the season. The love doctor, Darren Drager. Nice oh, work. Yeah.
2: Bringing it. Yeah.
3: Um. The. Uh, Rashog t- told me about uh, he made a rookie mistake. He didn't check his doorknob on the hotel before he opened it, and uh, yeah. you know the the whatever vaseline on the doorknob. Like those are the yeah. easy ones, right? Like those are just yeah. like the the drive-by ones.
2: Yeah, well, he's an amateur, you know. Like he he does the old leaners in the hotel rooms, or <laughs> yeah. you know he sets a four a.m. wake up call. I mean, come on, you gotta try harder than that. At one point, and and I can't remember. It was a playoff run, uh, probably a Stanley Cup finals to be exact and you know you're tired you've traveled for the better part of two months all of this kind of nonsense and we're out for dinner and my wallet is here (laughs) well I mean it's unsettling right like you're like hey yeah and and look there's a couple of things where I draw the line if it's any of your personal effects you know you don't touch a man's wallet all right you just don't You know, so, I mean, I think he had given it to the waitress and she had hit it. She was part of this. She could tell I was annoyed. So she ends the prank and gives me the wallet back. And he's got, I mean, it was a bit of a George Costanza wallet. I mean, there were cards all over the place in different spots. And it took me about an hour to get things all straightened out. And we're walking back to the hotel. There's a group of us. And he's chirping me about this and i finally i literally and now ryan's a big man right like yeah, yeah. Like two six three you know former Camloops blazer i think he had a half a fight in his three games <laughs> so, i mean there's, there's there is a bit of toughness in there and i just I, I i i had the western canadian snap moment and i literally picked him up and threw him into a shrub <laughs> and he didn't know what to do he's like you know, are we gonna fight, or yeah. should I just
3: let this go? So anyway, thankfully, he let it go. So you have a passion for broadcasting, obviously, and, and practical jokes, but uh, you have a massive passion for backyard rinks. And um, you know, from from what I read, you've perfected this. Like, a, do you still have an ice plant in your backyard?
2: No, sadly. Um, so I, I, we sold that property um, four years plus ago. And it was a bit heartbreaking. I mean, the truth is it was a wonderful uh, property in terms of the size of the backyard. Uh, I, had, you know, I had a nice pool back there and still enough room for, uh, I think it was like uh, 30 by 60, the, the backyard rink. But I was so crazy and meticulous with preparation that and my wife didn't know this Dean, We went out West visiting in Saskatchewan while we were gone, we were gone about 10 days. I had a landscape company come into the backyard and make a perfect pad. It was 100% level and it required me elevating a good portion of the grass, like with a retaining wall and everything else. So we come back and she's like, what, what happened? Like what is going on here? And I mean, when I explained why, I mean, it was pretty obvious. It was the exact dimensions of the rink and it didn't look, Terrible, but then it, it made it so easy. Uh, it was actually Dave Gagne's company, Custom Ice, who helped me out with, uh, with the plant. But it was, yeah, you know, like, a, the chiller unit was a little bit bigger than an air conditioning unit. And every fall, um, we'd roll that pad out. I had a big storage unit with all this stuff, and they'd come and help me hook up all the tubes and get the brine flowing and all of that stuff. But normally by... Third week in November, uh, we were out there going. But we moved, and now I've got uh, a pond right behind my backyard oh, nice. here in a conservation area. Yeah, it's nice. But the problem is, I mean, the weather doesn't uh, cooperate. So we've maybe had one year of that, nah, two years out of the last four where the, the old pond hockey has been been going. But it is a passion of mine, only because, and I think it's Western Canadian rooted. I really do. Uh, as I said earlier, I mean, I essentially grew up on a farm and spring and fall, you'd always get twitchy, you know, that's yeah. when the farmers do their work and I'm still like that. So I, I, like, I find it therapeutic to, to get out there and, uh, you know, try and perfect the ice and the number of times Dan Craig of the National League and I <laughs> I've had conversations about how I do this and look, it's cracking over here. I want to, like, how do I get rid of that? All those things. So you're right. It's, it's been a passion I'm, that uh, both my kids are in university now, so there's not a lot of activity, but I still do it.
3: Well, the outdoor rink is uh, lost on the, on this generation. I grew up in the east end of Brandon, where CKLQ was, and we had yeah, the east yeah. end community center by the water tower like, a, 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 like half a block from our house. So yeah, every yeah. day after some after supper, we were skating until 9, and you just don't see outdoor rinks as packed anymore, especially at, at least out west, and obviously in, in Toronto the weather has an effect on that, but the the winters are still cold out here and the ice is still frozen and and the rinks aren't as packed as they used to be when we were kids.
2: No, I hear you, man. Uh, But, you know, collectively we're spoiled. And um, I mean, that's not wagging our finger. I mean, when we were younger, you know, our parents would say, Oh, we used to walk to school and it was two miles and it was minus 40. You guys need rides now and you're soft. And, you know, now, you know, look, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you this about the backyard rink, though. You know, my son was fortunate enough uh, to, to play high-level hockey basically all the way through. Um, and you know what it's like when you're playing double-A or triple-A hockey. You know, you're practicing three, four times a week, and then you've got two or three games. And, you know, if, if, if it's a slow practice week, then you're expected to have outside help, you know, with uh, power, power skating and skills coaches and, and all of this stuff. My son just loved getting back there because there was no structure. You know, he, he could do whatever he wanted. If he wanted to shoot 50 pucks in the same spot, he could do that. If he, you know, back in the early days when Ovechkin was uh, doing the hot stick and he was swiping ice and all of that stuff. I mean, my kid would spend an hour working on his cellies back there. You know, it was just, it was, it was just, I, I, I still love it. I mean, as we have this conversation that gets my, uh, my brain turning as to
3: what uh, what I need to do to get things ready for the fall here. Good Stuff uh, trade deadline is a long way away, Dregs, but yeah. uh, uh, you're probably still recovering from last year's uh, trade <laughs> deadline. And, you know, and I've I know from talking to Darren about what the, you know what that day is yeah. like, and you guys are obviously different, different networks, but it's it's a massive, crazy grind, isn't it for you guys?
2: It really is, and and July first has almost become more busy because. You know, when you've got your your roster established in season uh, with the salary cap um, and, and the way that contracts are structured with players, it's really tough to make any meaningful sort of trades in season and, and even at the trade deadline. Now, there's lots of activity and, uh, you know, we see some, some bigger deals, but you don't often see the blockbusters. But, it's it, you know, it's it's an agonizing couple of weeks leading up to the trade deadline because and i often joke about this it takes me and and it's sort of tongue-in-cheek but there's some truth to this i i joke that it takes me 11 months to repair the damage that i do in the month leading up to the trade deadline because you've got no choice i mean as insiders that's what we're paid to do right you've got to take the fan inside and you know, so I'm constantly pestering sources. And, you know, they range from, you know, executives within uh, NHL clubs to the players, to coaches, to obviously player agents. I mean, there's multiple layers of, of sourcing that is required. So, uh, I tell ya, you uh, you spend a lot of time saying, hey, I know I called you 72 times in the last three days. I apologize. <laughs> but, you know, it was a big story. Thanks for your help. So we do a lot of that after trade deadlines.
3: For sure. Uh, okay, last thing I want to ask you about is, you know, you started out as a, a you know, reporter and then you did play-by-play, then you hosted games, uh, then you were a host at Sportsnet, and, you know, you've successfully made the move from host to insider. Not everybody mm-hmm. can do that. What was, you know, when did you think, I want to do this part of the job, I want to be the guy answering the questions instead of the guy asking the questions?
2: Yeah, it, I mean, it's a good question. Um, there was never a concerted past change, uh, at least not by design. Um, you know, probably around oh four oh three, somewhere around there. Um, I, you know, I, I I'm lucky enough. You know, we talked about the weekends in my time there earlier. I've been lucky enough to be around so many good people from around the hockey community for basically my entire career. And I've always subscribed to the philosophy. If you treat people the right way, they'll treat you the right way. Um, and I've, I've, I've done my best never to look down on anybody, regardless of, you know, what my position is, the fact I, I work uh, in the greatest game in, in, in the world. So as I was hosting at Sportsnet back in the day, you know, all of a sudden, this player would reach out to me. This agent would reach out to me. This upcoming coach would reach out to me. Hey. You know uh just keep you know just keeping the loop here don't be surprised if so-and-so gets traded in the next little while i know that you know they're talking to this team or that team so you know i started um you know breaking some stories uh as a host and you know i think uh, you know some other organizations cities news outlets started picking up on that so then i started doing some tv for pittsburgh and i do some tv for chicago and i do some tv for tampa bay as an example Um, And, you know, the net just got wider and wider and wider. And, you know, Bob McKenzie, uh, he's the pioneer of the Hockey Insider. There's no question about that. He approached me in 2006. He said, Drake, I'm tired of going head-to-head with you over there. (laughs) Um, We're expanding our hockey department. We'd like you to be a part of it. Uh, I initially declined because uh, I was uh, very loyal uh and some stuff went down good people lost their jobs in 2006 at sportsnet <laughs> excuse me and uh that was enough uh for tsn to circle back and i didn't say no a second time so uh that was kind of how it all came together
3: well it's uh, been an awesome ride and it's going to continue for a while and it'll continue on the Ray and Dregs Podcast. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcast, Dregs. Thanks so much for spending some time with me. I've always appreciated uh, your time and, and uh, how you dealt with people. And I look forward to watching you for many years uh, as an insider on uh, TSN. Thanks a lot, man.
2: Yeah, you bet. Thanks for thinking of me, and it's great to have you back on the air. I just
1: say Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Spending your time here with me.
3: That is the sweet sounds of Sweet Bejesus. Jesus. Kevin Dabbs, Christian Gutsis, their uh, debut album, Policeman's Creek, can be found. On Apple Music. They are the official band of Sports and More, the podcast, and Sports and More Live, which you can hear Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Mount, uh, Mountain Time on the 12 Ounce Sports Radio Network. Uh, you can uh, listen to it on TuneIn, Streama, or you can use the website www.12ouncesportsradio.com. Okay, so Acme Meat Market trivia time now. You can win a $25 GC from Acme Meat Markets. Uh, say hi to Corey and Amanda. They're awesome staff in the Richie Market. You can find them at 9570 76th Avenue in Edmonton. And you can check them out online, acmemeatmarket.ca. And uh, Acme Meat Market has been around since 1921. And know that when you head in to Acme Meat Market and Corey the Butcher, that's his Twitter handle, by the way. He will be serving you as one of the best butchers in Canada. Recently named to Team Canada for the World Butcher Challenge in September of 2020.
2: We got a winner.
3: Yeah, he's uh, one of the best butchers in Canada.
2: I said, We got a winner.
3: winner. You betcha. So, the Acme Meat Market trivia question, of which you can get a uh, $25 GC at Acme Meat Market. What town did Darren Drager's broadcasting career start in? He graduated from Western Academy Broadcasting College, as did I, in Saskatoon. But where was his first job? All you have to do is email me, sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That is sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. And if you correctly identify where Dregs started his broadcasting career, you will win a gift card to Acme Meat Market. As for last week's uh, question and answer, it was who did Wade Redden score his first goal against? And uh, Wade told us in last week's episode, if you're a big fan of Wade Redden, you should definitely check that out. But he told us it was Jocelyn Tebow on his first NHL shot, actually. Uh, Pretty impressive. So congrats to Craig, who knew that one.
0: Uh, It's fantasy
1: time. (laughs) Uh yeah, we're talking fantasy sports. <laughs> Not dear penthouse. But don't worry, winning your league is way better than porn. Woo-hoo! It's time now for fantasy fun time with Jamie Thomas. My man. All right, all right, all right. I said we got to win it. We got-
3: talk fantasy now a new rule of thumb this year if you have a player that is facing the Dolphins start them is that is yeah. that what it should be
0: yeah and the Arizona Cardinals so I it, 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 yeah. there's, there's no question about it. and then without Micah Fitzpatrick who plays multiple positions for the Dolphins they just got a whole lot weaker uh, on the defensive side of the football and I think the Dallas Cowboys are 20 and a, 20 and a half point favorites <laughs> Patriots are 19 and a half I think at one point mm-hmm. to me buddy like it, it, there's, there's, the, the rules got to change at some point. I get this, and baseball has a problem with it too. This just mailing it in and stocking up draft picks. Um, it doesn't work for me, man. It's, you, have, you have a lot of paying customers that are spending a lot of their money to come watch you play football every week and they expect an NFL-quality team. So as much as I love my team and that I've loved them for such a long time, this part's embarrassing. And what the Raiders did last year was wrong. Uh, the stats are out there. I think anybody that's had three or four draft picks in the first round, it hasn't turned out. They've hit on one of them. So this is, if you're basing your whole turnaround on a first round, you know, stocking up first round picks, I get the quarterback, but the other parts I'm not quite quite sure about. So it's a very dangerous game they're playing. And I think it's insulting. How about other teams that play the Dolphins? What if it comes down to week 15 and -and so-and-so needs them to lose, or needs Cincinnati to lose? Uh, in week 16, and they're trying to win the NFC North, and the Dolphins are so bad. It's it, it, it's it's terrible. It's a, it's a terrible time. I'm I'm pretty sure this is going to change, but in the meantime, it's it's completely fascinating for fantasy owners. You go up against the Miami Dolphins defense. Something's going to happen. Yeah, that load being said, up. Josh Gordon, like it just like you don't know who to pick on your roster. You know, if you have a certain player, because who knows who's going to do well? Because there's just everybody's so bad in the Dolphins defense you have no idea who to target who's going to have a great guy a great game outside of the quarterback
3: uh speaking of quarterbacks Lamar Jackson uh is he turning into tier 1 fantasy quarterback material are, like are we seeing Michael Vick 2.0 here uh,
0: i think so and then maybe it, it, it's the funny the funny part of this is just the criticism like Vick was much like he was hailed right he was when hyped he was
3: yeah he was hyped yeah
0: yeah like first overall pick. He was the best. He's the, he's the next generation of quarterback. And there's kind of been the, the teams falling, you know, quarterbacks falling in line and then Lamar Jackson comes along and, Oh, he's a one trick pony. His accuracy is terrible. Yeah, be uh, a running back. You have to, yeah. You have to be careful of what the offense he was running in college. You oh, this is like good and bad. Um, if, it, if it's college specific or only works in college football, then it's hard to, you know, figure out if it's going to work in the NFL. We just want to believe that Lamar Jackson, who wasn't supposed to be the starting quarterback last year, uh, the offense wasn't tempered around. Now the Baltimore Ravens had a whole training camp and offseason to prepare for Lamar Jackson as their starting quarterback. So this is this is a big difference here. So now they're working to his strengths. His accuracy is a lot better. And watching the highlights and watching a big chunk of that game, he's he's pretty accurate quarterback when he has time, like anybody else. So it is it is something to watch. Does he does he run as much as he has been lately? Hard to say. And then keep in mind too, he's also gone up against the Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals defenses mm. the first two weeks of the NFL season. Yeah, now we got to see where where that falls in line, right? But at the same time, man, you got to give somebody credit where credit's due, and he's looking pretty good right now. And I, and I like these guys that show people wrong and coaches wrong, where they said, oh, we you should have played defensive back, or you you should have became a wide receiver. Stick to what you want to be if you believe in it and if you actually have. Uh, a coaching staff and a team that wants to base itself around your talent, then you should be successful.
3: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Let's uh, jump to hockey now. We we have uh, a Toronto Maple Leaf team that has uh, a plethora of offensive teams uh, or offensive players. If you could only pick one leaf in fantasy hockey, uh, whether it be Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, uh, or John Tavares, who would you go with?
0: I got to go with John Tavares. Like I, and just because of his consistency year and a year, and especially later on in his career, he's really tying things together. He doesn't have the injury problems that Austin Matthews has had early in his career. And yes, Mitch Marner, I, if you asked me this question in two years, I'd probably say Mitch Marner. But for the time being, I like the, the steady veteran. Uh, doesn't get bothered by a lot of stuff. Right To me now, Mitch Marner is having this year where he's just signed this massive contract. I think it's going to weigh on him this year. Actually, I know it will. Uh, whereas John Tavares is, already been through hell last year of going to the island for the first time and he faces no problem and handled things because he has that good demeanor, right? He's that really phases John Tavares. So uh, I think this is going to be a tough year for Mitch Marner trying to live up to the contract. Whereas John Tavares is, is going to be solid night in and night out. And that's the guy I'm choosing for the lease right
3: now. All righty, buddy. Uh, we'll have to catch a commissioner story next time, but uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of the preseason. Uh, you know, it's, it's easily the worst time in any sport, but, uh, we still have to slug through it. So enjoy the preseason. We'll talk uh, talk soon, man.
0: All right, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. What's hot right now? Ansel. So hot right now.
1: Ansel. Let's explore and Cool of the Week. Very well.
2: Where do I begin?
3: All right, cool of the week. I'm coming up, uh, at you with a couple of movies, one sports, one non-sports. Uh, we just did on the Prospects Baseball Show uh, this past week, Jordan Blendell and I did our top five baseball movies. Uh, we had Al Coates, Voice of Baseball in Edmonton, on that show. So if you want to check that out, head to podcastalley.ca and you can uh, find all your kind of different podcasts. We have the Prospects Baseball Show, uh, we have this, Sports and More, the podcast, and the Cannabis 101 podcast, an uh, educational and entertaining look at the legalization of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Um, but anyway, uh, we did our top five movies and I just watched this movie. I do have no idea why it took me so long to watch it because I'm a huge Dodgers fan, but it's 42, uh, the Jackie Robinson story. It's amazing. It is so awesome. They got everything right. Uh, When you well, not everything, but when it comes to Jackie Robinson, they got his mannerisms, uh, the way he runs, uh, the way he everything. uh, It was it was really good. Uh, Harrison Ford was awesome as Branch Rickey. Branch Ricky. Chadwick Boseman uh, was excellent as Jackie Robinson. Um, uh, I can never remember Chris Maloney. I think is his name. He used to be on Law and Order SVU. Uh, He plays Leo DeRocher. It's really good. Uh, It's an awesome movie and it's, you know, a massively important time. Um, And I was so happy that some of the Dodger greats that I used to, that I, that I always looked up to and, um, you know, heard stories about, were good guys, Uh, you know, and the ones that weren't, they got rid of them. Um, And that's, spoiler alert, I'm not trying to tell you anything you don't already probably know uh, if you know anything about the Jackie Robinson story. So, so that's the one um, movie I'm going to tell you about. The other movie I'm going to tell you about is Good Boys. Uh, It's a Seth Rogen production. He's not in it, but it's these kids that are going into grade six that are learning all about the world. Uh, Sex, drugs. uh, It's just, uh, it's a hilarious movie. Like, you know, it's not as uh, raunchy as um, um, Superbad. That's what I was uh, trying to think of. Not as raunchy as uh, Superbad, uh, but it's funny as heck, man. The kids are just perfect in their uh, respective roles so I would highly recommend if uh, you need a good laugh check out good boys uh, and if you want to watch a great sports movie uh, check out 42 um, but good boys uh, my wife and I laughed nonstop in the theater and uh, we've been laughing for uh, you know about a week and a half uh, since as well so I would highly recommend uh, checking out uh, Good Boys, and I was also uh, highly recommend checking out uh, 42 if you're a sports fan.
0: Here comes the money. Here we go.
1: Money talks. What would you do if you were obscenely rich? One hundred billion dollars tweet us at duck millard and start building your lottery list do you plan to do if you win the lottery well i'd finally splurge and buy myself one of those fancy four piece suits peter my god what the hell are you wearing it's a solid gold tuxedo lois
3: All right, on the obscenely rich list today, and this is something that uh, my dad and I used to do on road trips. Uh, what would you do if you won the lottery? Simple as that. What would you do with billions of dollars? And uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm being selfish here. I, I would, of course, try to give as much to charity and help out my family. But these are things I would do for me. And uh, I would, I would literally um, try to hire somebody to be a permanent back scratcher. Yeah, you're gonna scratch my back. Uh, whenever I'm itchy, I'm gonna go to you. You're gonna scratch my back. Oh, I'm I'm five o'clock. I'm about to eat dinner. I my back is itchy, itchy. Okay, here you go. You're gonna be paid really well. Like I'm gonna pay you handsomely, and all you can do anything you want with the time you are not scratching my back. But as long as when I need my back scratched, you're there. You'll be paid handsomely when I'm obscenely rich to scratch my back. Personal back scratcher. Back scratcher. And that's going to wrap it up for Sports & More, the podcast this week. Love to thank, I'd like to thank Darren Dreger, who's an awesome guest, great stories, and uh, one of the best plugged-in guys in hockey. And also Jamie Thomas from Jets TV. We did Fantasy Fun Time. I talked about uh, always start against the Dolphins and Lamar Jackson. Plus, what leaf would you pick if you had to pick only one for Fantasy Hockey, Tavares Marner or Austin Matthews? to wrap things up for me here on sports and more the podcast thank you so much for joining me on the show we will talk to you again next week don't don't uh, forget sports and more live monday to friday on the 12 ounce sports radio network the
1: tide's out i'm in love with my lover This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Zigzags, loose change, and a brand new diamond ring. The bottom of a beach bag.